I'm Jay Mac. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Base Code Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Hey, yo. How you doing? Good. Getting ready to leave for Laircon AU. In Sydney. In Sydney, Australia. Yes. So by the time this comes out, we'll have already been to Laracon. Yeah. We actually recorded these like well ahead of time because we were going to be traveling. So yeah, this is probably right after. Yeah. Well, hopefully our talks went really well because we're both speaking this time. That's right. So yeah, let us know how our talks were. <laughs> yeah, good call. What about you? What's going on with you? I've been working on my talk a lot. Because it's my first proper conference talk, I'm stressing the small details a lot. So it's been interesting going back to being a beginner at something. It's good. I like it. I think being able to teach something definitely uses kind of a different part of your brain. Yeah. And in a way forces the demonstration of mastery. It really challenges, like, do I know this? Yeah. You know, and you really kind of start looking at a lot of those little edge cases and nuances that maybe you assumed things about before. So I really enjoy it from that aspect. Like, I hate using the word expert and definitely don't consider myself one simply for those reasons. Like, every time I do a talk, even if it's a talk I've given before, I'll normally, in the process of preparing, learn something new as well, you know? Yeah, I've had the documentation for everything I'm teaching open. I'm trawling through it, double-checking things. Every little code sample I'm doing, I'm building little tiny apps to go. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, cool. All right, so should we get into today's topic? Yeah, so like, I guess, you know, we've kind of talked about the different testing types and how to get started testing and kind of strategies for testing things in isolation using mocks. Yeah. But like maybe this episode, I think it would be good to focus on, you know, how do I test this very specific component? You know, how do I test controllers? How do you test models? How do you test database interactions? How do you test views? And how do you test something was queued or a cookie was sent back to the browser? Like just all sorts of random ideas here. So let's let's pick a few of those and tackle them. Okay, that sounds good. I think it will depend obviously on what framework you're using. I think for me, the main thing I test are HTTP endpoints. I write a lot of APIs. So the majority of my tests are doing an outside in, but from a HTTP API point of view. And at least with Laravel, it's so, so easy to do that. Yeah. It has this way of exposing the ability to make a HTTP request without actually setting up a server on port 80. It simulates running it, boots up its kernel and router and all that sort of stuff and fires it through, but lets you run all sorts of assertions against what's returned, but also what's happened, like whether something in in your session has changed and all the sort of response codes and everything. Yeah, definitely Laravel provides a really nice way to do this all just built into the framework. Because I've definitely had situations outside of frameworks where to run these types of HTTP tests, you actually have to have a test instance of the app running. Yeah, like an actual web server. Yeah, exactly. Like an actual server that's running the app. And then you send a bunch of like Postman requests at it, like a Postman script or something. And like, hey, that's a way to test. Totally. But it's really, really nice when frameworks like Laravel, Rails, Express, they have these ways to send requests into the application, sort of speak as you would normally, but it doesn't require all those kind of additional setup, which we'll talk about that probably in the next episode, more like setting up CI and all these kind of things. So yeah, 
So yes, I think an HTTP test or kind of in a generic sense, a integrated test uh, where you're actually kind of calling multiple bits of the application is super beneficial and probably, yeah, obviously for web applications, also what I write the most. Yeah. So I tend to try and do a lot of TDD. So I write my tests first. I use that not only to test the app, but also to design the app because you're literally writing what feels the nicest to interact with and then building it as opposed to when you start at that lower layer, like you might start with, oh, I need a database table because I'm doing this kind of this model. And so you start at the database, then you create your model, your controller and your routes, and then you get to the end and maybe the API doesn't actually feel that nice to use. So it's kind of about that developer ergonomics. I think there's a term people use. Yeah, that's, that's a good term. I've heard it before, but I, I guess I don't use it very often. But yeah, I like it. I think the other thing you mentioned in there were practices of like outside in. Maybe let's unpack that one because I think that might lead to more things to talk about. Okay. So my perspective of outside in is I start testing at a high layer of the code and I work my way in deeper to lower levels of the code. So like I might start with an HTTP test and I get into the controller, but maybe given the complexity of the controller or, you know, said another way, given maybe that that controller does some complex behavior, it's possible I might mock aspects of what that controller does at a lower level. And then that would then force me to write a test for those lower levels. And I slowly kind of eke my way into deeper parts of the application, driving them out. And ideally, that original test that you wrote may or may not pass. But by the time you go all the way into the application, you kind of end up full circle where like that test is now suddenly passing because you drove out the rest of the pieces of code. Absolutely. I often do this, the exact same thing. I'll test for the HTTP level of a high level. And then I find one of the most common things for me might be a model. So I might have like an access or a mutator on the model that's got some logic that I've written. I'll often have a test where I'll drop down to the model layer and test this little bit of logic I've got there so that that's tested in isolation. If I happen to remove a, a route later on, like a I might not use that API anymore, I might delete it, but that property is still there. So I don't want that little bit of thing to not be tested anymore. Yeah, so I think unpacking the outside in a little bit more that maybe reveals the ways in which I test, I tend to follow that strategy probably the most, even more so than something like TDD. Like I don't mind backfilling tests sometimes, especially if I spike on something, meaning I just kind of like naively write what I think could work just to kind of see, okay, am I on the right path? And if yeah. I am, I think in true TDD fashion, you're kind of supposed to like throw away all that code and then just start from the ground up. But in the real world, like I don't really necessarily always throw away that code. So I might leave it a little raw and then backfill some tests and allow once those tests are there to then refactor it. So in the end, I'm achieving the same code. Uh, I'm just maybe not being super strict about like the TDD part of it. Yeah. So would you say like if you do a HTTP test that dispatches a job, for example, you'd write the test that does the, that makes the HTTP request. And then would you just assert that the job has been dispatched or would you test the side effects of the job as well as part of that? That's a perfect question because that's like exactly kind of where I wanted to go. I get that question a lot, especially after making Confident Laravel. Like obviously people 
email in questions. I do like a, a monthly QA call too. So I get questions for that. People will just ask questions on Twitter now that I'm like a Laravel testing authority, so to speak. So I get that a lot like, oh, okay, well, I have a controller that sends an email and it fires a job or more specifically, it fires an event, which then sends an email. And so like there's some nesting of tasks and actions that happen. So like whose responsibility or like which test asserts on this, right? Like verifies that behavior is kind of the question, right? Yeah. I think with every code question, the immediate answer is it depends. Yeah. So like if it's just firing an event and that event does one thing, sometimes I'll just test it all the way through. And I, I won't really worry about the event because in my opinion, that's potentially an implementation detail. Yeah. Because maybe it's not an event, you know, down the road, or maybe that event is queued in different environments. So it's not necessarily fired immediately as it would be in my testing environment. So like, it kind of depends on the restrictions of the application, if you will, but also the complexity of the code, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can end up with a scenario where an event only has one listener right now, but in the future it has extra listeners for other scenarios. Yeah. And if you haven't mocked that out, then you could end up with yeah, tests that start making API requests, for example. Yeah. I think my default behavior is probably to let it fire and assert kind of the final behavior of the code. Okay. All things considered. Because again, in my opinion, an HTTP test is already a little bit of an integrated test. It's a very, yeah. you know, touching multiple layers of the application. So at that point, like what's one more layer? Yeah. And at the end of the day, you're going to feel more confident if your test has said you hit this API controller and it dispatches this email and you're asserting that the email is sent as opposed to saying that the thing was created. I think diehard testers would probably think that's a bit too much, like maybe would disagree with the level of integration testing that's happening there. And I definitely used to be in that camp, probably more than I am now. But I think Laravel does such a good job with those types of tests, like writing those tests is so easy. And it really does give you maximum flexibility to like go in and completely blow away the implementation and you know, you could write everything procedural and that test is still going to pass. So like, yeah, on one hand, that's really, really cool because you get a lot of flexibility to change the code and refactor and you don't have to worry about also fixing the test. Yeah. On the other hand, if it is important that code uses events, well, then there is value in separating the two and mocking it and then testing the next layer and the handshake between that code through the event. And yeah, but having those separate tests because... Again, there's a requirement there and you're communicating that requirement by differentiating the test. Yeah. And if you're just starting out with this stuff, just try either and see how it feels. I mean, at the end of the day, we could tell you all sorts of stuff, but you're not going to really get a feel for it until you try it yourself and see what works for you and what works for your project. Yeah. I mean, I think the Laravel community, again, is, is pretty big on integration style testing, which is, is different for me coming from other languages or frameworks that were much more about unit so again i like it but i'm probably more in the middle than most yeah and i think most are quick to kind of call anything other than those integration tests like spell checking yeah you know like where i'm just like testing line for line implementation like okay i i called this method on this thing with these arguments and then i called this method on this thing with these arguments and it returned this which was then passed to this other thing that i mocked yeah 
and absolutely sure that's that's tightly coupled test code with with implementation code and you know you're never going to be able to change one without changing the other so i understand that argument as well but i think somewhere in the middle is what happens in the real world yeah i think for me if there's a specific part of the code that actually has a few different scenarios for it then i'll want to unit test that because then I can test all of those different scenarios in isolation without having to test the scenario from the outside, which might be a lot more complicated. Whereas if it's just sending an email, that's one thing, it's doing one thing. But if it's like a a model that's got to return a specific date based on whether it's before the current day or after the current day or whatever it might be, having that unit test at that level lets me just make sure that that weird little bit of functionality is working good. And then I just have to test one scenario at the HTTP layer to make sure that it actually returns something from that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, any, anytime you separate the test, you create a gap and in that gap, you know, bugs can occur. So yeah, obviously having a, an integrated test that goes from beginning all the way to end and asserts all of this behavior happened is an awesome test. Like you get a lot of confidence out of that. And which is why that's the default for me, especially with Laravel. But those can also be very, very tedious to write if your code's not well separated. Yeah. If kind of responsibilities aren't shared between the different components within the framework, like that could be a real big test that you're writing there, you know? So the classic example for me is form validation. Like if I'm going to send an HTTP request that's going to validate data and I have 10 fields, technically speaking, if I want to test that form validation works, I'm already writing like 11 tests because I got to have the happy path and then I got to have the 10 failure cases. And that's for very simple validation. If you have multiple validation rules on each field. And any dependent validation like required if and required with and all these things. Every single validation rule requires a test. So again, at an integration level, that can be a lot of tests, a lot of setup, a lot of requests potentially slow now we're talking about, you know, just depending on the framework. So again, Laravel is very great with these things. Laravel is very fast. This isn't any testing framework's fault. This is kind of just the trade-off, right? Yeah. And so for me, I think just kind of going back to that specific example and kind of also demonstrating how maybe I'm, you know, a little bit towards the other side of kind of like a unit test, like for form validation, I wrote a little assertion helper that tests that you're leveraging the form request object being injected into the method. Okay. So now I've offloaded validation to this other object. So for the purposes of the controller HTTP test, I can write one test to assert that it uses form request validation. Yep. And then that ensures the linkage that that controller action or endpoint is using validation. And then I can write a unit test for the form request object And that is much more spell check nature. But the point is, I can really just do a one-to-one test that the rules that got returned have all the appropriate validation rules on them. Yeah. So it's two tests instead of like 11. Yeah. No, that sounds good. Now, some would argue, okay, well, what if Laravel changes its rules instead of saying required, it is called strict or something? Well, my two tests are just going to keep passing because it made sure that it was required and required. Whereas an integration test, again, more flexibility is going to now be like, uh, you said required, that's no longer a thing. This thing now passes. Yeah, it's going to test the result of it. And 
Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, because of that, you're going to get a lot more flexibility. So again, it's kind of a trade-off, I think, which ultimately brings me to maybe the last point I want to make, which is like, just like anything else, it's all about writing code at the end of the day, like tests are code. Yeah. And because of that, I want to apply even things like the base code practices. Like I don't want them to be overly complex. And I also want to make sure that I'm getting time value out of it, right? If I'm going to spend an hour writing tests, in a way, I kind of want to get like the maximum coverage possible. So sometimes if it means I can test more of my application or write more code, I'm willing to make the trade-off of having a little less flexibility in the potential implementation changes I make to have more tests overall, so to speak. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so we've talked about testing HTTP requests. What about other types of things, such as like a command? Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of parts of an application. So maybe we can just like quickly go through several of them that would be common in, in an MVC style web application, you know, full stack web application. So yep. again, I get all sorts of questions from Confident Laravel, just like, what do you think about testing this? And would you test this differently? So just to rattle off like some quick things here, commands. So if my application has commands, I normally write some tests for those for like the mission critical ones. Yeah. But I don't do a lot of sad path testing on those. Yeah. I kind of just test that it works in the happy path, especially for something like a console command. That's part of the application because I'm going to get like immediate feedback that that's screwed up and it's probably going to be run by me or another developer who's going to be able to interpret and handle that failure. Yeah. You just want to make sure that it can't do anything destructive. Sure. And even then, if I write a test for it, it's probably after it already has done something destructive. Because <laughs> oftentimes those console commands are kind of more administrative, go and do something on the back end manually. Yeah. But extending on that, a lot of these commands, especially if you're using something like Laravel, they can become scheduled commands or scheduled jobs. Yeah. And to me, that's one that I really, really like to test because these are being fired off automatically on your server. Sure. Maybe while you're asleep, you know, if you've got them running at midnight or whatever it might be. So I like to write a lot of tests around those. So maybe just being a little Laravel specific here, like what's your approach for testing that those are scheduled correctly? Like what kind of test do you write? To be honest, I don't really test the scheduler itself is working because I guess that comes down to more like the spell check type of thing. Do you consider that important though? Because I mean, don't you want your thing to run at 3 a.m. and not, not 5 p.m.? This is true, yeah. One thing I do is I use third-party tools to make sure that things have fired. So I use Honey Badger. There's tons of other ones. Mm -hmm. But basically, you fire off a web request to a certain endpoint at their service. And if they don't receive that within a certain time frame, it sends you an alert. Mm. So I kind of rely on those a little bit to send me a thing saying, this hasn't happened. So you've got like a little tracer bullet in your code that pings these services when you run your commands? Yeah. Laravel has its thing you can do with the end of a job. You can say, and then ping this URL. So it's a unique URL related to that job or that scheduled task. Uh. And then it's configured at this service provider with these expectations to say that this should be called once a day mm. with maybe 10 minutes grace period. But if it doesn't happen by then, send me an alert. So in a way, you're kind of scheduling it not only in your application, but then also mirroring that schedule on the third party yeah to me that's the only way to test that something hasn't happened sure it's sure. easy to test when something has happened because there's a result of it but when something hasn't happened you've got to test for the absence of something so having some sort of a system to monitor that really helps yeah and i think that's actually a perfect example of kind of the difference or the trade-off that we talked about before like 
you could, to my point, spell check, you set up the correct schedule all day long. But at the end of the day, that doesn't necessarily verify that job actually did run at 3 p.m. Whereas using something integrated like this Honey Badger service, for example, would definitely do both. Now it's not only verifying the schedule, but also that it actually ran. Yeah, like maybe your cron process on your server fell over. Sure. And no test is going to cover that. But I do like to write a lot of tests around the side effects of the scheduled job. So oftentimes they're sending they're sending emails out they might be sending out like a you know like a monthly digest summary kind of thing yeah. and those terrify me sending emails is a very very scary thing to do so i like to write a lot of tests around that oh yeah sure cool so maybe moving away from the really low level thing like commands and i think we talked about events or queuing of jobs or whatever again it all kind of depends on how much confidence do you want to have that this thing actually fired all the way through or just that the handoff was made so again we talked about that a little bit earlier other things like models uh, and so forth i personally probably don't write a lot of tests for just because i feel like they're tested through the other parts of my application like I'm already testing certain things are probably fillable, you know, or certain properties can be said. And I'm testing, obviously, that things are being saved to the database at a higher level. So I tend not to write too many tests for models unless there's just some kind of mission critical linkage or relationship or like global query scope or something. Yeah. Or, of course, if there's like a very logic method. Yeah, for me, I tend to put a lot of logic in my models. Anything that's kind of related to that, I try and encapsulate within there. I follow like the fat model approach where anything that that object can do is encapsulated within that. So anytime where I've got any sort of custom logic in my model, I'd like to write a unit test against the model itself for that. But as far as testing that it has relationships and all that, then yeah, I'm generally happy that that that's been tested via, you know, a HTTP test. Right on. I think the final one to chat about real quick is just views. Okay. I'll get a lot of questions about like, okay, well, how do you test this view? And I think that sometimes for very mission critical things, like I might write a test, one test or two tests, for example, go all the way through shift and like make a purchase. Like they'll sign in with GitHub account. They'll check the dashboard. They'll order a new shift. They'll put in, you know, fake credit card numbers and it goes all the way through the whole system. And I have like two of those for all of Shift and everything else is kind of a integrated test or whatever. It's not like a browser full application running test. Yeah, but those two tests probably give you the most confidence out of all of your tests, right? Sure, absolutely. And I think like we talked about in in one of the previous episodes, like if, if this is all you have time for, then write those tests, you know? Yeah. But I think where I'm going with this is more about the views specifically, like... I don't write a lot of view tests. And I think my reasoning behind that goes back to just kind of like the time investment versus the return on that investment. Yeah. Like every developer's kind of different in their thoroughness, but I'm, I'm probably a more thorough developer, meaning that I'm going to fire up the browser and look at my work. Yeah. And by looking at the work, I'm looking at the view. And so the point is, it's going to be a little more obvious, like if I've just completely screwed up the view obviously with blatant errors. I mean, worst case scenario, there's going to be some typos. There's going to be maybe some styling issues or, you know, potentially a piece of JavaScript that doesn't work. But again, these aren't mission critical things. Also, the reality is they're going to be reported probably right away by your users. (laughs) Yeah. So like, I'm okay with, with a tiny bit of that. I mean, I don't want that to happen every time I release something, but 
I've just grown to understand and accept that that's the reality. It's going to happen at some point. Yeah. And I mean, testing views is quite hard because you can test the data that you pass to the view. But as for testing, whether or not it actually displays on the page the way you intended is is kind of two separate things, right? So exactly. I do like to assert that the view has passed the right thing because that's the bit that tests that the application is fired in the right way. For sure, yeah. But yeah, as for anything else on the page, like you say, you kind of just have to have to actually look at it with your eyes. Yeah. You can do snapshot tests that take screenshots or like dump the HTML and compare it against something, but that's like super, super brittle. You've got to update them every time you change something and still manually validate it. Yeah. It's pretty interesting because I would consider like a browser test like that that actually goes in signs up, uses your application like in an automated fashion to be kind of like the pinnacle of an integration test. And again, they're super, super valuable. And the ironic thing though, in this case is that the higher up you go, you actually lose some of that flexibility. They become more brittle types of tests because you know, you're probably clicking a button with a very specific selector or text. And so like now you just can't change any of that. You can't change your markup. You can't change your copy. Mm. So again, these tests are very valuable, but opposite of maybe some of those lower level integration tests, even though they're, you know, arguably integration tests themselves, they actually are a bit more brittle. So there's another reason why I tend not to write too many of those. Yeah. Just enough to give you confidence, right? And also doesn't take me forever to write. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Cool. I think it was important to kind of touch upon as many of those things to test as possible because they are just questions that come up and obviously shoot us your questions on Twitter if you have them as well or challenges or whatnot. Love to hear back. Yep. And uh, that'll probably be it. We'll do the, the last episode next time. Awesome. Looking forward to it. All right. See ya. See ya. Show notes for this episode can be found at basecodefieldguide.com slash 15.